Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. Dynamo. He's uh, taken some medication to go with his Crohn's. We explained to you what Crohn's was the other day. It's not very nice. It's not very pleasant. You wouldn't wish it on anybody at all. There is no cure for it. But uh, it was after pictures appeared in the paper the other day of Dynamo looking very bloated. And this is what the medication has done to him. It's made him bloat. Also, it means that he can't, he can't shuffle cards because his hands are bloated. Now, I'm telling you, for a magician, you know, this is absolutely fatal because his whole act comprises of cards. Every time you see him, he's got a deck of cards in his hand. He's, he just plays with cards and does it. And I've often wondered, if you're a magician who plays with cards and all of a sudden you get arthritis or something like that, what, you know, what do you do about it? And the answer is you can't do anything about it. I knew somebody once who was um, uh, a billiard ball manipulator, a magician who did multiplying billiard balls. So in other words, he starts off with one ball and then he waves his hand and then there's two. And then three, and then four, and then the other side, and then so, so it goes on. The moment he developed arthritis, his career was finished. Now, in Dynamo's case, uh, you know, they, they can probably get him back on the straight and narrow. For him, it must be a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Somebody who makes their living with a deck of cards and can earn big money. Big money. £25,000 a gig. A gig. This has nothing to do with shows or anything else. This is, if you want him for a private party, that's what you could be looking at to get him, because he's, he's top, of his, top of his game. There might be, as I said the other day, better magicians than Dynamo out there, but he's it at the moment, because we liked his story. You know, council estate boy, you know, working class, taught himself magic, you know, did the books and all the rest of it, and gets himself to that level, gets TV series, uh, and he's got Crohn's, so people can identify and go, ah, see, he can sort of do this. Now you look at him and he has put on weight, but that could be down to the drugs that he's being given. I always think insulin is my excuse. Insulin is the thing that makes me put on weight. But uh, in the case of Dynamo, we wish him the very best of luck. And he's, he's recorded a little message which goes like this. Hey everyone, it's uh, Stephen here, uh, Dynamo. Uh, I'm making this video to let you guys know what's been going on in my life over the last, say, eight months. Uh, I've been keeping a bit more of a low profile um, as I got really sick and ended up in hospital last summer um, due to a really bad type of food poisoning, which having Crohn's disease and food poisoning, very bad combination. Um, thankfully, the NHS worked amazingly well to get me out of hospital and back on my feet. But there's been a lot of ongoing side effects uh, to come from having the food poisoning, which I'm still dealing with today. Um, uh, one of them, the main one, is a bad type of arthritis, which has kind of affected all the joints in my body. Um, my toes, my knees, my neck, my ankles, my hands, uh, which really sucks as a magician when you can't shuffle a pack of cards because your hands are in so much pain, which has happened on the odd occasion. Um, but I'm working with doctors, uh, I'm working with a physio, and doing everything in my power to get myself to 100%. Um, I'm working on lots of new magic, so uh, hopefully you get to see that soon in the future. Um, as you can probably see, my appearance has changed quite a bit due to all the medication that I'm on. I'm on quite a lot of tablets, there's some of them there. Um, and all the medication has kind of caused me to put on quite a lot of extra body weight, as well as a rash that's all over my head. It's, it's actually all over my body, but thankfully you guys don't have to see that. You only have to see this face. 
yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing everything in my power to get myself better. I wanted to let you guys know what's going on for me personally, just in case you hear it from anyone else beforehand. Um, but yeah, I'm staying positive. I'm working on new magic and I've got great people around me looking after me and I know that you guys who supported me from day one will have my back. So thank you for that and thanks for watching this video. Bye. There you go, you see? So now you know. I mean, I do wish him the very best of, uh, of luck and lots of love. And I'm sure you do the same as well because, you know, he's been very entertaining. He's, he's, he's actually quite a, quite a shy person. But I can show you magicians who you would think were the most confident people in the world and they're actually really shy. That's why they developed this interest in magic. It gets all sorts of people out of situations. I think David Copperfield in America has got Project Magic, where they take it out uh, to disabled children to teach them things so they, they can do stuff. And for Dynamo, uh, because people were so shocked by seeing the things, he felt it right. And he's done, he's done exactly what I would expect him to do. He's issued a statement straight away explaining what the situation is. His arthritis, he's got this rash which is all over his body. And uh, he'll, he'll pull through it. You know, and he's developing some new magic, so it'll be nice. He's got a great magic set for sale, actually. And I could tell you that because Hugh Bonneville's son, I'm sure, has got one. Because Hugh Bonneville's son absolutely adores magic, which is good news. So we're always very happy. Uh, if you like magic, have a look on uh, YouTube. Rennie, Rennie uh, Levant. That's the one-handed one, isn't it? Is that Rennie Levant? Well, there's another one. I remember seeing a one-handed magician uh, some years ago. It was very good. And he was on the Paul Daniels show, because Paul used to highlight... Uh, card men from around the world. And I think René's uh, catchphrase, is it the one-armed, he would say, it can't be quicker. And he would literally, with one hand, he would do all these moves and, and used to think, I wish I was that good. Oh, my God, I wish I was any, anything as good as, uh, as uh, he is. Uh, René Levand, um, he lost a hand at the age of nine in a car crash. And, um, oh, he died in... Three years ago, at the age of 86. But he was quite something. You, you should watch him. To watch a one-handed magician, you know, do these, these tricks. I mean, that was, that was really something. Amazing. Amazing. Lots of magicians going, yep, heard of him. I know what that one does. We've all got favourite magicians who do different, different tricks. And he was very good at just sort of showing you with one hand. He didn't need to have two hands. He was so good with one. Andrew says, respect to uh, Steve Allen Show for broadcasting the message by Dynamo. Don't need to respect to me for something like that, you know, to highlight somebody who you can hear on In Conversation because we did him a few months back and you'll find him on the LBC website. We tried for ages to get him and uh, our paths just never kind of crossed because he was always busy. He'd be doing something and then flying out the country to go to a gig or whatever it happens to be. Thank you, says Mo, for raising awareness of Crohn's. My 16-year-old daughter was diagnosed last year. She'd been so sick. My heart goes out to Dynamo. Yes, I mean, I, I know a whole family who have Crohn's. So I'm, I'm, and I was made aware of it uh, some years ago. They have a walk for Crohn's, and I always make sure that I, uh, I try and publicise it because I just think that, you know, not enough people know about it. The only reason you would know about it now is because of people like Dynamo who've got a profile, and then people go, oh, right, we're, we're, we're talking about Crohn's. The answer is yes, you should be. Nigel Ealing was born in 51. He said, yes, I'm even older than you. <laughs> not possible. Back in the 50s and 60s, the late, great David Nixon was the uh, personality magician of the day. Yeah, every year has another... Magician. I mean, I, I said before, I can show you people. In fact, we use people at the Magic Circle every year for my Christmas show down there. People you might never have heard of, but they're brilliant, utterly brilliant. And they might not have made that leap into the super money. 
you know, David Nixon was not the greatest magician. Like Tommy Cooper was not the greatest magician. You know, technically they weren't, but they would sort of... I mean, David Nixon had that gentle approach to magic, which I loved. And I remember thinking, God, that's so clever. So clever, you know, to be that. If you watch Paul Daniels, Paul had had a set routine. He did. He was famous for doing his, what they call, chop cup routine, which was the, you know, where's the ball... Is it on top of the cup? No, it's on the bottom of the cup, but the cup's upside down. And then at the end, you know, you go crackers for the lemon, which appeared from nowhere, and then the orange, which appeared from nowhere. And so people become famous for different things. Dynamo became famous because he was working class boy, and he taught himself magic, and he was very good. But I, I promise you, I could show you people at the Magic Circle who were even better, who you've never heard of, who still go out, you know, and earn a lot of money, because good magicians earn top dollars. In this country, America's got loads of magicians and mainly they work Vegas, but they're what they call stage magicians. You know, you you can go to David Copperfield's show and you'll find him doing card tricks, but you'll have to watch it on the big screen because you won't see it otherwise. And he's he's been doing it for for so long. I mean, seriously, for so long. And he's so, so clever. Penn and Teller are worth 300 million. Uh, I could believe that. I could believe it. The funny thing is that they, they don't like each other. They don't talk to each other. They they do a, sh- a stage show, but they don't they don't mix socially like that because I think one likes magic and one's not particularly bothered. Because I told you we went to Vegas a few years back, and uh, we went into the Venetian just mainly to have a look at the boats going backwards and forwards on the little thing. And they've got a magic shop in the Venetian. The moment we walked into the shop, the guys behind the counter started flinging cards up in the air, spinning them, and all the rest of it. The moment we would that they actually discovered that we were there for a magic convention. They stopped demonstrating because they knew that magicians were not going to buy anything. Magicians just want to sit down and talk magic. And he said, to be honest, he said, he said, I don't even like magic. And we go, but you do magic. He said, yeah, I do it to make a living. He said, but I work in a shop. He said, it's my job to demonstrate this. Then somebody will buy it. That's how I make my money. He said, but I don't like it. And so they weren't remotely interested in talking about magic. I thought, I thought it was a new, a new concept for me. Because, I, you know, I love it. I, I buy magazines. I go on the internet. I'm fascinated. I can sit there and watch it for ages and ages. So, you know, when you watch... So when, when you meet somebody like Dynamo, it's a bit difficult to talk magic because there's what we call lay people around. So I had the producer and a technical person in there and we couldn't really talk about what I wanted to talk about to him, about things that I've bought over the years and stuff like that, you know, collectible items. But uh, nevertheless... We wish him the very best. I'm sure he will pull through. I'm quite sure. I hope so. Tony says, can you do a car trick on, on the radio? Of course, anybody can do a car trick on the radio. Easy peasy. OK, right. Take an invisible deck of cards. Got them? OK, shuffle them. No. Take them out of the box first. Come on. Come on. Not your light. Don't go cheating. OK, you've, got, you've done that. You've done that. You've shuffled the cards. You can do that if you're driving the car. Just try not to take your hands off the steering wheel. OK, you shuffled them. Give, give him another good shuffle. OK, riffle shuffle in. OK, waterfall, all that kind of stuff. Ready? Now, turn them face up, spread them all out in front of you, in your mind. OK? In your mind. This won't work for everybody, but there'll be quite a number of you. would be quite impressed by this. You ready? Now, what I want you to do is take your right index finger. OK, got that? OK, and then just run it slowly backwards and forwards until you, until you feel an urge. And then you put your finger down. OK, so go backwards and forwards. You've got to feel the urge. You don't, don't go just doing it and then putting your finger down. You've got to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and stop. OK, you've stopped on one of two cards. 
your finger is either resting on the seven of hearts or the jack of spades. Which one were you? It's so exciting. It's so exciting. I'm a magician. There you go. Television series in the offing. There'll be lots of you going, how did you do that? How did that happen? Magic. It's magic. Or in my case, it's tragic. But uh, at least we did it. At least we made the effort, didn't we? This is LBC with Steve Allen. Oh, it's a nice picture. Who's this one here? It's somebody called Dua Lipa. Now, by a strange coincidence, I know who Dua Lipa is because they got an award at the Global Awards. See, I'm up to, I'm up to speed with it. People think I don't know anything about music. I'm all there with Miss Bangles. I know all the, all the hit groups and everything else like that. I know, I know Kylie Minogue's record. I, you know, because she's everywhere. Every time you open up a newspaper, there's another picture of Kylie Minogue. She's done an interview with Attitude magazine because apparently Kylie Minogue has got loads of gay followers. Can't imagine. Why would, why would gay men be remotely interested in somebody who was in Neighbours or Home and Away or whatever it was. I can't remember what she was in. Neighbours, wasn't it? Why would gay men... Well, somebody explain the attraction there to me. I don't quite get it. But if you stick her on at Jeremy Joseph's G-A-Y, the place would be packed out to the rafters. Queens hanging from every every particular place, screaming, Kylie, Kylie, we love you. And I'm thinking, what for? Shout it for Jason Donovan. That's the whole idea. Very odd, isn't it? But uh, I do like the new record. It's just a bit short. But it's, it's like line dancing. Kylie's got a new album out. Did you not know? Oh, wow, well, you should listen to the Steve Allen show on LBC. He'll tell you all the latest things. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm very up to speed with my music. Mendelssohn's got a new hit album out, I think. What is it? Well, I've, I've never mentioned it because I just I don't want people to think that I'm sort of so sort of in touch with my musical side. Not that if it works for Scarlet Moth, it'll work for me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll be in trouble for that one. Uh, Paulio uh, says, uh, even in the 80s, Kylie uh, has been a gay icon. This is Kylie Minogue, incidentally. My friend who'd been gay all his life said in 1989 he'd give his gay life up for her and she turned him on in every which way. Oh, my Lord above. Well, he obviously wasn't gay then, was he? He can't have been. I mean, you can't all of a sudden... You need to contact Lucy Beresford for that. I can't deal with things like that at this time of the morning. It's about people having their breakfast. Can't do that. But uh, she had this cute, sweetie thing going on, and, and he liked her bottom. Apparently, it's the most touched thing in Madame Tussauds. Callie Minogue's bottom, for some, uh, <laughs> for some inexplicable reason. People, people like things like that, don't they? Uh, so, uh, so thank you. But, um, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting when sort of people, you know, they have this fixation. I, I couldn't quite work out what it was. You know, I'm spinning around. I didn't, didn't get it. I wasn't even particularly bothered when she was in Neighbours. And then she went out with sort of Jason Donovan, and we quite liked that idea. That was sort of that was sort of a fun thing, wasn't it? And um, and then the rest, as they say, is history, especially for me. Steve Allen on LBC. Just shut twit. This is Danny Dyer. That's the bloke, as opposed to the daughter, who's also called Danny Dyer. I know, not not the best, is it? And uh, he says he hates the uh, the aggravation. I thought he sold himself as a hard man, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm a hard man. I do all this, all that kind of stuff. He came in to do one of my programmes years and years ago. And he came in, well, the worst for wear, from the night before. And uh, and he said to me, every other word was a swear word, so I, I cannot do it in the way that he would do it. He said, how long's this programme, mate? And in those days, it was an hour, and I went, an hour, and he went, oh, my God, and collapsed onto the table. And he, he sort of opened one eye and he went, what were you going to effing talk about? I said, well, I don't know, we'll think of something. 
Oh, my God. I mean, you could see it was like the worst thing that ever occurred. And then I had the bloke behind Wallace and Gromit, who was also in Last of the Summer Wine, Peter Salas. And um, and he came into the building. I only tell you this out of curiosity. Um, and I said, oh, the lift's broken. I said, we've just got to go up one, one flight of stairs. And he looked at me and went, stairs? I went, yeah. So anyway, he laboured the stairs. Went, oh, one at a time. Stop, eat a sandwich, have a cup of tea. Next stair. And so it went. Eventually, we sort of got him in the studio. And uh, I phoned his agent afterwards. She went, how did it go? I said, it went fine. And I said, she, I said, I'm sorry, but the lift was out of order. She said, oh, he's always moaning about that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I didn't. But uh, poor, it, it was Danny Dyer and his, um, his, um, his language. Which actually, at the time, I thought, oh, it's quite funny. Look, looking back on it, it sounds even funnier. Steve Allen on LBC. The person who had an epileptic fit in a charity shop and uh, hit a bowl, which subsequently broke, has been told to pay for it. You'd think they're getting quite mean in charity shops, aren't they? Remember I told you I went into one in Twickenham. They had some glass in there. I think it was, there's a name for it, red glass. Red, red, let's call it red glass. And, uh, and it was marked at 25 quid. So I said, would you take 20? And this woman with a very f- thick accent went, no. And I thought, whatever happened to charity shops? Whatever happened to, somebody's donated that to you. Surely you should be grateful for anything. No, it's all got barcodes. They don't, and they don't want half the stuff you... Well, no, we don't want this, all the rest of it. You think, I always think the people in charity shops are taking it as well. I think they've, they've got their first dibs on whatever comes in. But uh, I was quite miffed. I've never been to the charity shop since. Seriously. I'm sorry, I've offered you 20 quid. No. You think, it's a charity shop, dear. Surely you're great for it. You know, years ago, you'd do the, the jumble sale, the rummage sale. Do you remember? And you could go 10p for this, 20p for this. Now, they've got items in there marked at 10 quid, 20 quid, 30 quid... We've had expensive shoes there. And you think, it's just, you know, I just... Please, please don't write in with the best thing that you've ever bought in a charity shop. This is not local radio. OK, we don't do that kind of thing. What was your favourite colour? Anyway, so sorry, I changed my mind. Changed my mind. Uh, Steve, modern charity shops are tax-free businesses. Run off the back of a good cause. Well, people like giving... To, it's, it's people's way of giving. Isn't it? I like the idea that people, you know, get something in return for giving. Difficult. I mean, they did the Marie Curie people the other day and I just come out of a shop and I had a, I had a five pound note and I thought I'm going to give it to them. It was somebody dressed up all in yellow and I thought, no, I'm going to give it to Marie Curie. I would give it to quite a few people, Macmillan, anything like that, because I think, you know, if we all gave a pound or two pounds or whatever you can afford, it goes some way. And we're very generous in this country. That's why I like the poppy appeals. We give and still people thieve. Still people thieve the money from, from poppy appeals. I find that disgusting. I really do. Seriously, it's just the only thing that... Well, one of many things, actually, at the moment that kind of annoy me. Uh, charity shop worker, says Ian, with the twins, do have first dibs. My mum's neighbour works in a charity shop and comes home with loads of uh, gear, a van load. And then every Sunday sells it at boot fairs. Oh, don't say that. It makes me think that they're not honest people who work there. <sighs> I know people pinch from charity shops. Mind you, probably people who work in charity shops. But you're right, they do get first first dibs. Somebody comes in and goes, oh, that's not, I'll put that to one side. I mean, I, I would think that would be, would that not be normal? Steve Allen on LBC. Bad news today. You can imagine just how desperately sad he must be now. Now he's got nothing to watch. Julian Assange has lost his internet at the Ecuadorian embassy. Can they do that? Can they just... I mean, I, well, I understand they can, but there must be other internet ports and there must be other computers <coughs> at the... at the. What do, you, what do you think the Ecuadorians... I mean, do they have computers? I don't know. Do they have beads or something? I don't know. I'll just... Oh, right, yeah. Oh, right. 
Because, I mean, he's going to be out at that embassy within days, isn't he, now? I should imagine. He's been spending hours and hours in front of the computer. And now, if they're going to take that away from him, it's obviously an inevitable... Are they forcing him out? I mean, they quite like him to go. Well, I mean, why don't we just bring the SAS in? They managed to get rid of those people in the, uh, in the embassy. Why can't we get rid of this one in the embassy as well? Unless the Ecuadorians really want him there. But, I mean, he's been there for such a long time now. He smells, yeah, we heard he smells because he doesn't seem to have regular showers, which is not particularly good, is it? I mean, he's got nothing else to do all day. It must be really boring. It must be really boring. You know, occasionally he sort of pops out to sort of say something or not say something, and we'll go yawn. Uh, we were trying to work out, actually, what the reason was that the Ecuadorian embassy took him in in the first place. They must be regretting that deeply. Because presumably, at some point, he's going to go. We just don't know when he's going to go. So, uh, it's interesting. Although, actually, I know people who've actually been into the Ecuadorian embassy. I, of course, haven't. And, uh, and, 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 and everything, he's to appear, but everybody said that he smells. And you think, perhaps they don't have showers in there. And yet they must have. So they've taken away his internet connection. I mean, how is Pamela Anderson going to communicate with him? Perhaps she'll have to sort of phone him or something like that. I don't know. At the time that they took him in, Ecuador said it was to show that they really care about freedom of opinion and expression when everybody else was claiming they had a very poor human rights record. So they wanted to protect his right to criticise Americans' foreign policy. Now they're stuck with him. He could live there for the rest of his life, couldn't he? He could be carried out in a box or something. Unless they throw him out and go, listen, we've really had enough of you. The, the, the people won't go anywhere near his room. It smells. He doesn't you know, get his washing done or anything else. He doesn't go out shopping. So I'm assuming somebody's paying for him in there. No one benefits, is he, by any chance? I, 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 Ecuadorial benefits. It's very odd, isn't it, really? I mean, how much longer does he... He's been there for years. Coming up six years. I mean, how much longer are they going to hang on to him until somebody goes, oh, get rid of him, for goodness sake. Now he's got no internet, he's going to be like a bear with a sore head. Isn't he? You know, before then he'd have been accessing all sorts of things on the internet. Now he can't do that. Because they've taken it away. You'll have to go round there and see if anybody's got a spare... Spare sort of computer they can hook him into. But there again, you know, if he's... if he's, It depends what he's accessing, doesn't it, really? But you can't sort of start accessing all sorts of strange things. He might be, I don't know, Pamela Anderson pictures or something like that. And uh, you can't have that because they'll get back and go through the history of it and go, what are you watching? They'll be going, I'm Julian Assange. They go, we know who you are. We're stuck with you. We can't really... I mean, all they've got to do is open the door, push him out, shut the door. It's not difficult, is it? But I shouldn't imagine it be happening. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Rock and deck. Sounds like chips, doesn't it? Or something like that. Yes, Hollywood stars lined... Can I just offer some advice to the producer of Saturday Night Takeaway? We're not remotely interested in The Rock or Bruce Willis, or anybody else turning up on Saturday Night Takeaway. They're Americans. They don't know the show. Why waste money? Why waste money? Deck can do it by himself. There's enough people rallying around the Stephen Malherns, the scarlet fraudulent Moffat woman. As long as she doesn't do anything to do with diets, we're all right with, but even she's a bit boring. What did somebody describe her as the other day? Oh, Bone Idol. Bone Idol. That's what somebody said of her, because she's just lazy. So, in fact, that was Jane Irving who is the woman behind the companies that make these DVDs. And she said of Scarlett Moffat, she's so lazy. I thought she'd never done a day's work in her life. Has. She just sat on a couch watching television. And apparently that makes you a celebrity in this day and age. Small wonder she's piled the pounds back on again. But anyway, so can I just tell the producers of Saturday Night Takeaway? He'll be fine. Don't waste your money or anybody else's money, bringing over idiots like The Rock and Bruce Willis. Who cares? They're nothing to do with this country. Nothing to do with Saturday Night Takeaway. 
They've got a load of other people who can do it. What a stupid thing to say. How embarrassing for so-called British celebrities. Admittedly, we don't have many, you know, but we, the ones we've got, we quite, you know, we quite like. You know, we just don't need to go to America to get these. Who is The Rock anyway? He's called The Rock. What is he? He used to be a wrestler. What do we want him for? What do you want him for? He's not going to boost your audience attendances. He's not going to get people going, oh, we must watch Saturday Night Takeaway. We're watching it for deck, OK? Take my word for it. That's how it works. We're not interested. Bruce Willis. Bruce who? We don't need him. Thank you very much indeed. You might as well stick um, Paddy McGuinness's wife on there. She's desperate for any bit of publicity she can grab. She's... Bruce Willis is also fairly ancient. Don't, don't get him out of retirement. It's awful. And The Rock must be in a cemetery somewhere, isn't he? They'll have to dig him up. I mean, put it away. I mean, if you're really desperate for Saturday Night Takeaway, as I say, you could put Paddy McGuinness's wife on there and then we'll all suddenly realise what a bore she turns out to be. Almost as dreary and as dull as Rebecca Vardy. As please God, she's nowhere near the programme as well. And somebody says here, speak for yourself, the rock and deck uh, would be great. No, it wouldn't be. Don't be so stupid. We don't want some failed old has-been actor coming over here going, yeah, because I'm the rock. Go away. This is the United Kingdom, OK? Dear me, honestly. Steve Allen on LBC. The Lakes joining the League of Global Wonders, Prince Charles. That'll be the one described as petulant, moody, temperamental, all sorts of things. But whatever it is, this epic view of Ullswater from Place Fell is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's lovely. Why do we go abroad? We've got all this beautiful stuff here. I know people go, oh, I'd, I'd rather go to watch Australians cheating at cricket. And I go, no, no, go and see the... Because we like to be controversial on this programme. And so the Australian PM, because we did the programme did the program yesterday talking about the Australians cheating. And the idea was that you rough the ball and they, they some of them do it on their zip, on their um, uh, trousers and things like that. Because if you rough the ball up, it can go in a different direction. It's quite clever, but they're apparently allowed to do that. They're allowed to rub it. You know what the other trick is that they've done? And this one's been caught for this before. You suck a sweet and then you you get the saliva and you put that on there because it becomes sticky. Sticky saliva if, you, if you've sucked a sweet. And so if ever you see people sucking sweets, watch them. Especially if they've got their balls in their hand because that there's a very good chance that they'll be doing googlies and curves and all the rest of it. So the Prime Minister over there has now called for um, for severe punishment. And the severe punishment, I'm assuming, is kick him out as quick as possible. And anybody else who is involved, and that includes referees, linemen, all sorts of people, the coach. I mean, all these people who, who could have been associated, they want to know. Captain Steve Smith, as you know, could face a year out of the sport. He should be banned. He should be banned immediately. I mean, a year out of the sport. He was the one caught with the... With, he wasn't doing it, but he was the one who told the people to, he should be out immediately. What are you, stupid? Absolutely appalling, really. And I don't even know anything about sport. I'm the one that sits here trying to pretend that I sort of... I, well, I was sporty at one point. I mean, the one who actually did it might actually sort of get away with it because he's young and he was leaned on. But I, I'm sorry... You know, I'm thinking, you did it, you've got to, you've got to pay the... Pr- you must have known it was illegal, in which case, if you know it's illegal, whether you were lent on or not, you did it and you shouldn't have done. It's as simple as that. Sorry to be so harsh about it, you know, but as I'm the leading authority at LBC at uh, this time of the morning on cricket, there's nobody else, it's me. I am the cricket authority. I know about cricket, I know what cheating is, I can see what he was doing, and he was caught on camera. 
far as I'm concerned, you're kicked out. If that, I mean, can you prosecute somebody for that? It's only a game, isn't it, at the end of the day? You can't prosecute, can you? They're not going to do a court case, but kick him out. Kick him where it hurts. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Wouldn't find anybody in this country doing anything like that, like cheating, would you? Whereas, of course, when the Pakistani players, you remember this one, were spot-fixing here in England, three of them went, went, went to prison. Three of them went, went to prison for it. You remember that? People were actually admitting, you know, can, can you throw a game? And, and they admitted they could, but then I should... And they actually did it, and they went, went to prison. But i tell you one thing. There's footballers in this country who throw games as well. Of course there are. You'd be stupid not to think that where there is gambling, there is corruption. Always. Always, always, always. Uh, Steve, as a cricket lover for most of my 51 years, I must admit I'm extremely impressed with how quickly you've grasped the terminology in light of the Aussie cheat storm. I mean, how much fun can you have with terms like ball tampering and googly? I nominate you as LBC's cricket correspondent with immediate effect, says Bish. I know, I amaze myself with, uh, with what I... Because I used to play cricket. I was silly mid-on. Well, it was just silly, actually, most of the time. But, uh, yes, I, used to, I was, I was a, a sort of a good cricketer. I didn't like the idea of messing your whites up, though. And then they started going a bit mamby-pamby. And all of a sudden, people started turning up at Lords wearing sort of what looked like sort of Apache Indian markings when they put all this stuff, all different colours on their face. It was something to do with sunblock. And it was because they... It was sun cream, yeah, but it was all different colours. They looked a bit ridiculous. Then they started wearing sort of baseball caps... And uh, then I watched a programme yesterday on the television where they showed you how to rough up a cricket ball. I thought, well, I've been out there and bashed a few up in my time, you know. <laughs> Come near me again, pal, I tell you. You'll be going nowhere near the bales, OK? And, uh, yeah, great with the bat, I am. Because uh, I used to quite like it. I, don't, I, was, uh, I, was, I was more a bowler, strangely, than I was batsman, uh, given the choice. And then, and then I sort of went to big school... And all of a sudden, the boys who were bowling were absolutely lethal. I mean, they could have killed you with these things. I was, I was sort of, I was overarm. I wanted to do underarm because it looked better. And uh, but no, uh, well, I, I mainly spun it. I mainly spun it. I can still do it now. And also, I used to hold my finger out so you could line up on your finger. I tell you, you might think you're listening to somebody who only knows about show business. I'm telling you. Sporting prowess, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the kind of thing you would... Have, if you see me, you're not going to be going, oh, Steve Allen looks like he's a sporty person. But I I did rugby, cricket, running. I mean, you know, BBC. <laughs> Stick your little test match special. You can keep it. LBC, that's the place to be. Steve Allen doing the test cricket. Can you imagine? I could do. I could, I could rent a flat overlooking Lords Because I know where it is. I've been there. And, well, I've driven past. And uh, and the flats looked right into it, and I could just sit there with a pair of binoculars, like Mike Murray Walker used to do with the uh, motor racing. He never went to it. He sat at ITV watching a television, which kind of—I mean, what difference does it make? It's like you know when you watch people doing the the tennis at Wimbledon, they actually have to sit in the commentary box and things like that. You don't need to just watch it on telly and do the commentary for that. You don't need it. It really doesn't make any difference at all. I quite like to do that. I quite fancy the idea of sort of the commentary for tennis. You know, as long as long as it rains and then Cliff sings, we should be OK. But I, I just sort of found Andrew Castle, because he, he does that, doesn't he? Andrew Castle could get me in. That must be coming up again very shortly, mustn't it? July, is it? Oh, same time as last year. And uh, is it? I knew that. I knew that. Uh, if you were a cricket commentator, would you get the giggles like Brian Johnson and Jonathan Agnew famously did when Aggers talked about the batsman having failed to get his leg over? 
But he, oh, I used to like that. What was that? Was the, the he uh, knew exactly what was going to happen? He tried to step over the stumps and just flicked a bail with his with his right. He managed to try to do the splits over it, and unfortunately, uh, the inner part of his thigh must have just removed the bail. He just just didn't quite get his leg over. Anyhow, he, he did very well indeed. Batting 131 minutes and hit three fours. And um, then we had Lewis playing extremely well before his 47 not out. Agus, do stop it. Uh, and uh, he was joined by De Freitas, who um, was in for 40 minutes, a useful little part ship there. Uh, they put on 35 in 40 minutes, and then he was caught by Dujon Walsh. Um, Lawrence, uh, always entertaining, batted for 30, 35. <laughs> 35 minutes, hit a four. Over the week, keepers. <laughs> it took a while, didn't it? It took a while to actually pick up on it. It just got worse after that. What was the other one? The, the batsman's holding the bowler's willy or something. There was that one as well, I remember, from years and years ago. Oh, God. <laughs> Did make me laugh. Actually, it reminded me, actually, just listening to that, the funny thing was that at some point in LBC's distant past, Michael Parkinson joined us to do the morning programme. Uh, we, we signed him up. We've had lots of famous people working on the radio, but Michael Parkinson joined us, and we're all going, oh, it's very exciting, and they had all the, the banners on the side of the buses, Michael Parkinson, 10 o'clock, LBC, don't miss it Monday morning. Unfortunately, Monday morning never came, because he'd been booked to do cricket, and if there's one thing that Parky loves, it's cricket. He absolutely loves cricket, so he went off to Australia. So all these buses are going around London with Michael Parkinson, 10 o'clock, and unfortunately, he wasn't. He was over in Australia. Steve Allen on LBC. I was sat on the... Oh, well, I say sat on the bus the other day. Second time I've seen this woman on the bus. She's got one of those trolley things, which is piled high with food and everything else. I mean, people like that should be barred from buses. I'm sorry, they really should be. Because what she does is she takes up a whole seat all by herself. She sits down and moves the trolley. So nobody can sit there. Nobody can sit there. Rude woman. Got off the bus by Marble Hill Park. And I remember shouting out the window, rude! I didn't. I just sort of made that bit up. But I thought to myself, it's ghastly, isn't it? And then there were two people arguing on the bus. Two young girls. And I could hear it. And I was sitting halfway down in the disabled seating. And, um, and, and she's going, well, I had to do it. And the other one says, no, you didn't. She said, I did. My mum said I had to. And this went on for the whole journey. By the time we got to the other end, I knew their life history. At least we got rid of the woman with the shopping trolley. Which was my favourite. But uh, where did I go the other day? Oh, yes, I went to use Waitrose. I got as far as Waitrose to get some of this milk. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming urge to use the toilet. So I said to her, I said, have you got a toilet? Yes, we have, she says, just around the corner there. I thought, OK. So I go around the corner, and what it is, it's a disabled toilet, and it's a man's toilet, and it's a woman's toilet, and it's a baby-changing thing, and it was engaged. And I stood there for about four minutes. I thought, what are they doing in there? What are they? And nobody emerged from it. You feel like banging on the door and going, Get out! Somebody out here who's genuinely in need of the toilet. Oh, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I was happy. I was happy because then I, I went, went sort of off and then I got a bus. And, and that was quite empty, which is good, actually. I don't like it in the morning, uh, you know, when the, when the kids are all over the buses. They're so loud. Why are children so loud nowadays? Everything, they scream and shout. And the girls are all chatting away on their phones. And then, then they talk about homework. And then there was one girl, she got on the bus... And I'm sitting next to this schoolgirl who looked about 11 or 12. And the girl gets on the bus and she touches the other one and the leg goes, hi. The other one goes, ah, hi. That's about the extent of the conversation. And that was it for the whole journey. The next thing, they're both on their telephones. And I wanted to say to the one next to me, have you got nothing to say to her at all? Hi. Hi. 
I thought, do parents realise what their kids sound like? And they've all got bags like you've never seen. I seriously thought one of them was moving house for her parents. She's got bags and this. And then, and then her homework. She's holding the homework. And the homework was obviously created design in wallpaper. I don't know what sort of school this was, but nevertheless. And she's holding her sample of wallpaper. And I'm looking at it thinking, well, that's rubbish. And I wanted to say to her, you won't get anything with that. That's rubbish. But I thought, no, do not be rude, Steve. It's not like you. It's not in your nature to be... Well, it is. But, I mean, it's not in my nature to say something... Because you can't talk to kids on the bus. You're not allowed to. In fact, I always have to look at the floor. The police could be there in minutes. I could be hauled off the bus. What was he doing? He was touching my wallpaper. Well, he shouldn't be, should he? And I have to go... But I was just trying to be helpful. I'm Steve Allen. I'm on the radio. I do the early breakfast on LBC. Don't touch her wallpaper. I could... You know, the whole thing could... I could have police cars, sirens, everything... I could be hauled off the bus. Get, I've got a free pass. I'm free. I could be in court within the hour. God, oh, dear me. But you can't help it, can you? I can't help but be nosy and listen in to other people's conversations on the buses. I'm sitting next to another woman the other day. And the bloke in front, she's tapping him on the shoulder. He's totally ignoring it. And eventually he turns to Oh, hello, Meg. And I'll, I'll, oh, God, we're going to have this one. And all the way through, he's with another woman sitting in front of us. But he's talking to the woman. So he's turning uh, like that, turning around at an angle. And I'm having to sit there and she's going, you know that Mrs. So-and-so died. And he went, yeah, I heard about that. That'll be interesting. I'm thinking, what's interesting? Unless you poisoned her. You know, it was like being in the middle of a Miss Marple. And so he's saying, yes, of course, you know, are we, are we going to go and see the family? And she went, yeah, I'm, I'm going now. I spoke to her the other day on the telephone. And he went... What, Mrs. So-and-so died? She went, no, no, the family. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to be murdered on the bus seat. They're going to move out, and, and I'm just going to be sitting there slumped with this fixed look on my face. And they're going to go, he died, you know. And, and, then, and, so, and then they all get off the bus. The man and the woman and the woman next to me, they're all going round to see this poor woman, this dead woman's family. And she said, she said we, we won't stay long. I was tempted to say, thank God for that. You bored the pants off me sitting on the bus. Now you're going round to this poor woman's house. They're going, to, they're going round to nick things, aren't they? That's what they're going. They're going to see what she's got that's worth taking. That cat'll be gone, I tell you, straight away. That'll be in a bag taken out the front door. But anyway, travelling on buses, an experience in itself. Steve Allen on LBC. The BBC has commissioned its first series from Simon Cowell's production company, which is Psycho. It's going to be called The Greatest Dancer. Due to be screened on Saturday nights next spring, the pilot show featured uh, Cheryl Tweedy, but please God, we don't have to have her on it. Alicia Dixon and Ashley Banjo. Oh, no, Jordan Banjo. How many banjos are there? There are loads of banjos. Uh, Glee star Matthew Morrison and professional Strictly dancer Oti Mabuse made up the coaching plan. They're all favourites to replicate their roles in the series. Kate Phillips, BBC Entertainment Commissioner, that I can't wait to work with Psycho and Thames to uncover talent and let the audience critique and celebrate the nation's unsung dance heroes. Oh, sod off. Don't be so bored. What a... Aren't there enough of these talent competitions? How dreary and ancient of the BBC to come up with something like that. Oh, it's another dance programme. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, do me a favour, give me a pair of roller skates. Who cares? And they say here, you know, uh, to, uh, to celebrate the nation's unsung dance heroes. Who gives us stuff? Nobody cares about the unsung dance heroes. You want them? Go down to the little dance schools. Go and sit. Go and sit there and watch them. God, it's a cheap naff program on a Saturday night. That's all it is. I mean, who cares? So Psycho's producing it, which is um, 
Simon Cowell's production company, and they'll do it with, with Thames, so it's a joint production. But, I mean, who ca- that's the best the BBC can manage. They've got an army of people who sit in a room there, like a suite of offices, who come up with the idea with programme formats. And they're, they're, that's the best they've come up with. I'd get rid of them all. I'd fire them. They're obviously idiots. Complete idiots. Quite ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. Another dance... If it's not a singing programme, it's a dance programme or East European circus acts who pop up on Britain's Got Talent. The moment you see two people on a swing or two people doing a balancing act, they're a professional circus act. Okay, Simple as that. And we have to put up with it. God, it's truth, honestly. Steve Allen on LBC. We'll be doing Viagra a little bit later on on the programme. The, uh, the hard facts... On Viagra, I tell you, nobody's as hard-hitting as this programme when it comes to Viagra. Oh, you won't find me shying away from Viagra. My doctor did ask me once, she said, do you need Viagra? I thought, I've only just wandered in for a cup of water. You know, I mean, what do they think? Why, why do you want to say something like that to people? I don't want, you know, would you like some Viagra? I thought, what, now? What were they expecting? I don't know what she was expecting. I think she was expecting me to say yes, and I'd take it in front of her or something, and then, you know, then we see what happens. Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. But why do people ask you things like that? Do you need Viagra? I don't need anything. Some hair would be nice, thank you very much indeed, and maybe a maybe a slimmer figure. But I mean, I don't, I don't discuss things like that with people. You know, is there anything you want to discuss with the doctor? No, no. Unless you can tell me how to get the perfect doner kebab. Oh dear, honestly. Steve Allen on LBC. The hot news story from the world of show business. I don't want to ruin your day. Peter Andre's attempting to act. He's over in Los Angeles trying to play a... Um, he, but he, he, he's got Jamie Lomas teaching him. <laughs> Sorry, I know, don't laugh, please. Uh, because he... Uh, he I mean, I, th- I think, to be honest with you, the only way you could ever get Pete really angry if he took away his Iceland discount card. You know, apart from that, he wouldn't be able to show temper at all. And uh, he's a bit wussy. But anyway, Jamie Lomas, who was on uh, Hollyoaks, is teaching him how to be mean for a new film role. I'd learn to act first yourself, Jamie. Do you not think so? I don't want to be rude about it, but goodness sake, you know, hardly the, the world's best actor I've ever seen. Uh, Jamie, runner-up in last year's I'm a Celebrity, mainly because nobody knew who he was, has been driving all the way from Manchester to Pete Sussex's home for the lessons. Jamie's been secretly tutoring him for the past six months. Oh, God. Peter Andre develops personality. I can't bear it. It's ghastly. Much at least he's moved away from the singing and the barista stuff. Pete hasn't been able to reveal too much about the movie. He's playing a heroin addict, OK? Anything else you want to know? That's it. It's a short film. For that read, it's what they call a filler. It's not really proper acting. It's just, uh, can we get somebody cheap? Peter Andre will do it. And there he is, Pete playing a heroin addict. That involves sitting on the floor. I mean, to be honest with you, I suspect that when it's shown, and I don't know, I'm only guessing, people are going to be seeing it as a comedy. I don't think they're going to be seeing it as Peter Andre acts. Because I've seen him being interviewed on television where somebody asked him about something. And he was on the... And they go, I'm sorry, can can we stop this? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what a drip. What a drip. Uh, Thank you, says Mike in Kings Langley, for your story about Peter Andre trying to act. I've not laughed so much for some time. What a scream. Indeed, I laughed so much about a small accident. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? I could tell you about my small accident, but I don't think I'll bother, actually. I'll save it for another time. But, uh, yeah, Peter Andre becomes actor. Well, he's tried everything else. He's tried singer. That was a bit dismal. He's tried barista. That didn't work. In fact, there's not really much he can do, apart from be just a bit drippy. You know, when you see him on the... Who is he talking to? He might have been talking to Kay Burley. Whatever it was, he obviously triggered a nerve, and then he went into sort of one of his strange meltdowns. He's obviously very well... He's very immature for 42, I think, 42, 43... 
Although I know, I know he has his fans, but luckily, and we're still waiting, I don't want to make a big deal about it, the Australia tour, which was cancelled, because he had that little Peter Andre does a makeover with himself. Uh, that one. And, um, and they had to cancel the Australian tour uh, because they'd forgotten in the diary that he had this thing booked in. Ha, 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 ha. And then surprisingly, it's not been booked back in again. I'm assuming the lack of interest and the deathly silence when they announced Peter Andre's going to be doing a tour of Australia was roughly akin to he's not driving a greyhound bus, is he? The answer is he might as well be. Uh, they've, yes, yes. I, think, I think he got caught up in the Russian diplomat thing. I think they've actually said, you out. But I'm P- Peter Andre. Yeah, material girl, material girl, out, out now. Stop trying to pretend to sing. Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.